0: Hello, I'm Derek Walker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. Today we want to talk on the Lord's Prayer. What a wonderful prayer it is. You know, prayer is the foundation for the successful Christian life. If our life is not proceeding out of prayer, very likely we're moving in our own strength, in our own wisdom. But the fear of the Lord, the Bible says, is the beginning of wisdom. And so if our life doesn't start with God, in the presence of God, then it's going to be in the flesh. It's going to go off course. And so our prayer life is so important because it brings us into the will and the purpose of God. And the Lord's Prayer, I submit to you, is a perfect model for prayer. It is very much a New Testament prayer in the teaching of Jesus. It's a blueprint for prayer. And actually you can relate all of the teaching of, uh, of the New Testament on prayer into the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, the, the Lord's Prayer is an Old Testament prayer because it was done before the cross. Um, but actually, that's wrong, because all the teaching of Jesus is New Testament teaching. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen: Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe, observe all that I have commanded you until the end of the age. And so the teaching of Jesus is New Covenant teaching. And the Lord's Prayer is a new covenant prayer. It's the foundation for our prayer life, I believe. You know, it's wise, if you're having an exercise programme, that you, you have a programme that does many different muscles, because otherwise you'll just do your favourite exercise and you'll only build up one part of your body and the rest of your body won't be covered. And so the Lord's Prayer actually gives us a model, not a prayer to recite by rote, but actually a model that causes our prayer life to be balanced. Ephesians 6.18 says that we should pray always in the Spirit with all kinds of prayer. And that means we need to be able to pray all kinds of prayer that cover all the areas of our life and cause us to be correctly adjusted to God and all the situations around us. And the Lord's Prayer enables us to do that. If we'll follow it, it will cause us to have a balanced prayer life. And all the different kinds of prayer are actually included in the Lord's Prayer. Now it's in two places, in Luke chapter 11 and Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at Luke 11 to start with. It says, as it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There's something very impressive about how Jesus prayed, how he was in the presence of God, how his prayers were effective. And so they were saying, Lord, teach us to pray just as you pray. And the answer was actually the Lord's Prayer. And he's saying, we want to enter into that same realm of prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer is a good name, because it was given to his disciples, but it was actually the model for how Jesus prayed. They were his disciples, they were wanting to follow in his footsteps. These are the areas that Jesus would have covered in prayer himself, and it's very much for us today. And, And I want you to notice some things about this prayer. How does it start? It doesn't jump in saying, Lord, do this for me, do that for me. He says, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. The prayer starts by reminding ourselves who we're praying to. You know, we need to take enough time on that. We don't, otherwise we'll end up just mulling to ourselves, talking to ourselves. We need to get established, Our Father. What does that mean? We're not praying to some God in the distance. This is a believer's prayer. This is a a believer. Uh, For an unbeliever, God is far away. But for a believer, he is near. He is my Father. He loves me. Praise God. This means it's a new covenant prayer, because in the old covenant, they couldn't call God my Father. You know, he he was more God. But through the blood of Jesus now, we've become children of God. So this is a new covenant prayer. That means I don't have to twist his arm to make him do what I want him to do. I don't have to try and impress him because he's my father. He loves me. And that's why Jesus, in his teaching, just before the Lord's Prayer, he says in Matthew 6 7 When you pray, don't be like the heathen who use vain repetitions. Uh, it, they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore don't be like them, for your Father knows the things you've got need of before you ask him. And you see the heathen, that's another word for Gentile. So all kind of Gentile religions that are not based on the word of God, the revelation of God, for them God is far off. They don't have a relationship with God. He's not their Father. And so prayer for them is a kind of exercise, a mechanical exercise. Uh, Praying five times a day, saying certain words, going through certain motions, doing certain actions to to get God's attention, to appease him or whatever. And that's not prayer from the heart, but it's prayer to try and get God's favour. And he says, don't pray like that. These are the praying of people who don't actually know me personally. He says, you're praying to your Father who loves you, whose eye is on you. Later in Luke 11, he says, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In other words, your heavenly Father loves you. He's your, you're his child. So just as you say, Father, Father, our Father, my Father, realize who you are praying to. Prayer is intimate communion with the Father. But there's a balance to that. It's our Father in heaven. What are we saying here? This Father who's close to us, but he's also the one in heaven. He's the one who is far above us. He's the supreme God. He's the majestic God. He's the King of kings. We need to get our eyes that the one we're praying to is not our equal. He's far above us. We need to get our eyes off ourselves onto our Father in heaven who's above and supreme over all the situations we're praying about. We need to bring him, prayer is establishing him at the centre of our life. Lord, you're Lord of all, I don't know what's going on, but you know everything. I'm weak, but you're, you have all power. You're the supreme one, our Father in heaven. We need to remind ourselves who we're praying to, and that may take some time to really to get that clear, to get God at the centre of our thoughts, our Father in heaven. Praise God. And then the prayer actually goes through many different issues of life. But then it finishes again with God. I love the ending in Matthew. It says, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And after having gone through praying for the world and praying for our own needs, the prayer then ultimately returns back to this place. It returns to God. Yours is the kingdom we get our eyes back on God. You see, having prayed for our needs, we don't end there. Having prayed for the problems in our family and in the world and so on, we don't finish there. We finish with God. We finish with a positive ending. See I've been in prayer meetings where somebody prays long, long prayers about the terrible state of the world and after ten minutes you're totally down, down the tubes. You go out the prayer meeting feeling much worse than you went in there, but it's not meant to be there. The prayer, your prayer should finish with a positive. However bad things are down here, praise God. God is greater, and that we're, we 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 should come out with that with that wonderful finish out of our prayer time. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Praise God. We're to come out saying, Lord, we've I've prayed about these situations, and, and you are the King and you are ruling we finish with that note of victory. And that's, the Lord's Prayer gives us our structure of prayer, you see. Well, let's go into the first section of the prayer. It talks, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And and those are the first three. And one of the interesting things is, all the things in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts. And all of this is very strong language. It's in the imperative mood. And this is normally the mood for giving commands. Now, we, we're not commanding God, obviously, but the imperative is used also for an urgent request. Give us this day our daily bread. This is not some kind of passive, wimpish, hopeful prayer. This is urgent prayer. This is saying, Lord, I know that what I'm praying for is your will, and I'm fully expecting you to hear my prayer and to answer my prayer. It carries that that sense of We are believing in God. We know God. We're laying hold of God in prayer. We're doing business with God. Praise God. And so I want you to see that the Lord's Prayer starts not with our needs. We get there eventually, but it starts with the glory of God, because it starts with, hallowed be your name. And the first thing we need to do in our prayer life is adjust our life to the fact that it's not ultimately about us and our needs. That will come, but ultimately it's about God's glory. That's what this is. You see, God's, when God's glory, God's name is hallowed, when God's will is done, when God's kingdom comes, then that's going to be good for us as well. But our passion is, first of all, for God's glory. Hallowed be your name. These three phrases, by the way. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. All have attached to them on earth as it is in heaven. Hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. You see, God's name is honoured. God's name is glorified in heaven. But through our prayers, we are bringing that to pass on the earth. God's will is done in heaven. And through our prayer life, we bring it to pass on the earth. God's kingdom is, comes in heaven. We are to bring it into the earth. So in prayer, we are bringing, we are channels to bring God's kingdom, his power and his glory from heaven to earth, you see. And so, hallowed be your name is let your name be honoured. Let it be glorified. In other words, my passion, I've got in prayer, I start by adjusting my life and my prayer to the glory of God. It's a passion for the glory of God, you see. And um, that's what we've got to do. We want God to be glorified. That's our ultimate, ultimate motive in all our prayers, is for God to be glorified. It starts with a passion for God's glory. And that's we, that we adjust ourselves to, and we get our motives right. We tune into God by having that hallowed be your name. I'm praying that your name would be glorified in my family, in my church, in my society, and in my life. That's the motive for my prayer. That's where the prayer begins, praise God. And that's where the Pharisees missed it in prayer. Uh, We talked about the heathen prayer that was wrong, but now Jesus also criticises the Pharisees, the self-righteous, in their prayer life. He criticises them. He calls them hypocrites. Because they put on an outward show in prayer that doesn't correspond to inward reality. And and Jesus said this just before the Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. When you shut the door, pray to your father in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I want you to notice the problem with these people in their prayer life is that their passion was not the glory of God, but their own glory. They wanted everyone to know what wonderful prayer warriors they were. They wanted people to see them praying, and, and their whole motivation was their own glory. And they've actually not really even praying, because the, the passion, the heart of prayer, is the glory of God hallowed be your name. It's not about, Lord, make me famous, make me popular. No, we've got to adjust our life to the motivation of the glory of God. Well then, having done that, the prayer addresses the different areas of our needs. Our daily bread, forgiveness for our sins, and protection over our lives. Yes, God knows we need to bring our needs into his presence. That's important. But only first, after we've established God's glory. See, there's an order in our prayer life. First of all, God's glory. And then we deal with our needs as well. And so the Lord's Prayer gives a a wonderful model for prayer. You know, we need to be balanced in our prayer life. We start by focusing on the one we're praying to. We start by praying for the glory of his name and for his kingdom to come, and then we bring our needs before him, needs so that we're rightly related to people, so that we receive our daily provision. And then we end with a a finale where we thank God that these prayers are in his hands we need to cover all these areas. That's what the Lord's Prayer does for us. Because you might be very good at praying certain areas in your life, but if you miss one of those areas, you're very vulnerable. If you never deal with the issue of your unforgiveness in your heart, you might be very good at these other areas, but your prayer life is going to be devastated. If you never pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation and trial, but deliver us from evil. If you don't pray God's protection over your life for the future, Whatever other prayers you're doing, you're still very vulnerable now to the traps of the enemy because you haven't covered that part of your life in prayer. That's why the Lord's Prayer is so valuable. It helps you make sure that you cover the whole area. Let's look at the seven kinds of prayer in the Lord's Prayer that covers all the different kinds. Number one, worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. it's set apart, it's glorified, it's to magnify God. And so it's right to start with praise and worship. Even before we confess sins or do anything else, we want to say, Lord, you're, you're my rock. The Psalms are so full of praise, aren't they? We declare his name, his revealed character. It's who he is, his name is who he is, and who he is to us. And so as we say, Lord, hallowed be your name, we just center on him, we praise him. Lord, you're my healer, you're my victory, you're my life, you're my rock, you're my salvation, you're my deliverer, praise God. You see, we are praying who Jesus is for us, and that adjusts us to God. That we, do, we must do that before we start praying for the world. We must start with praise and worship, hallowed be your name praise God. Then we are ready to move further. And then we get to the second prayer, which is your will be done and your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let's talk about this next prayer, your will be done. Uh, This is the prayer of dedication. You see, now there's times where you know the will of God, then of course you pray the will of God be done um, and you do it. But oftentimes you don't know the will of God and you have to pray the prayer of dedication and you say, Lord, I, in this situation that I'm facing, I pray your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And this is, Jesus prayed that three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now when you know the will of God from the Bible, then it's wrong to pray that. I mean, don't say, Lord, if it's your will, forgive me, or if it's your will, heal me. That's ignorance because God has made his will known, you see. So, but when you don't know the will of God in a situation, you need to get into neutral. You need to pray, Lord, your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And you keep praying that because you have to get into neutral. You don't see God's will from your emotions. Your emotions will simply tell you what your will is. So you have to lay it all down and you have to keep praying this prayer of dedication. Lord, in my life, your will be done. Your will be done. Until you get to that place where you honestly want God's will, then you qualify to hear from God. Jesus said, if a man will to do God's will, he will know. He will know what God's will is. The only way you can come to the place of knowing and hearing God speak to you is if you're willing to do his will in that situation. And, and so we have to bring our emotions into submission through the prayer of dedication. That's how I get my guidance in life, not spectacular guidance, but if I lay it down and I pray that prayer, Lord, your will be done, not my will, I get to that point where I'm in neutral and I know, then God just is able to tell me very easily I just know that I know deep inside what his will is. The next kind of prayer is supplication. This is praying for other people, our family, our church, our nation and so on. Because this prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You see this is where we are also to pray for others. We are to pray that God's kingdom come in our nation, in our church, in different situations on earth as in heaven. We're to pray for God's glory to be revealed in these different realms. We're to pray for those in authority, Timothy tells us. That's a priority. Let supplications and intercessions be made for kings and those in authority because that is strategic praying. Supplication is a, is a humble entreaty to, for God to move in our situations, move in our country. For those in authority, praise God. And so this is all about praying for God's glory, God's kingdom, to be revealed in these situations. We need not just to pray for ourselves, we need to pray, first of all, it says, for, those, for our nation, for our leaders, and so on. We need to cover that part of our life before we even get to our own needs. And that's the fourth type of prayer, is the next one where we come to our own needs now. The prayer of faith. Give us this day our daily bread. That's interesting, isn't it? It says, give us this day, in other words, right now. This is the prayer of faith, Mark 11, 24. Whatsoever things you desire, this is your needs now. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. When? Now. So if you're praying for your daily bread, give us this day. He says, I I need it now. I need the stuff I need for this day right now. And you need to receive it today, because if it comes tomorrow it's too late, isn't it? And you know it's all right to pray for your needs, as long as that's not all you pray for. And there are things that God promises you, like forgiveness uh, and healing and the, the provisions of the covenant, that is your daily bread that you can come to God on any day and receive what you need. Praise God. Nearby in the Lord's Prayer, in Luke 11, it talks about, if a child asks his father for bread, will he not give it to him? How much more your heavenly Father. So when you ask God for your daily bread, the strength you need for today, the wisdom you need for today, the life you need for today, will he not give it to you? Praise God. And so. This is a revelation of how God works in your life. God wants you to walk with him one day at a time. It would be nice to pray the prayer of faith that meant you could receive all that you need for the rest of your life in one prayer, and then you wouldn't have to bother God again, because you, you've got it all. That's not how God wants it. He wants you to live in daily dependence on him. Yes, there's a truth that all things, God has freely given us all things, but actually he holds it in trust for us. He doesn't want us to be independent from him, like we've got everything we need so we don't need to talk to him again. That's not how it is. He's done it in such a way that it's all there for us, but we have to come to him every day and receive what we need for that day the blessing for that day. Give us this day our daily bread. That way we have to keep walking in faith and independence on him. Praise God. And so his mercies are new every morning. That's how it works. So whatever you need today, you have to come. And that's why Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. And it means ask and keep on asking. Because if I ask and receive healing today, tomorrow, or in wisdom or whatever it might be, tomorrow I'm in a different place and I need to ask for more. And each time we ask and receive, our capacity grows and we're able to ask and receive more from God. So day by day, we draw on more and more of his life. That's how God meant it to be. And then it's confession forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So important it is to keep a clear slate. And some people have a problem with this because they think, well look, once now I'm saved I don't need to confess my sins anymore because God's already forgiven me all my sins. Now there's a truth to that because when you're born again the Bible says we're justified by faith, we're forgiven our sins and we are declared righteous before God. So that's a done deal. And that's understood as done in the prayer, because God is now my Father, I have that relationship with God, that can't be threatened. But there is another kind of forgiveness, which is family forgiveness, that if I sin against my father or one of my brothers and sisters, then things are not right. I'm still in relationship, but the fellowship is hindered. And so it's important also for us to forgive, to confess our sins. It says, forgive us our sins we've got to make that right if we have sinned. It's only polite. Forgive us our sins. And it says, as we also forgive those who sin against us. Jesus went on to say, if we, if we don't forgive one another, then neither will our Father forgive us. In other words, our vertical relationship with God is connected to our horizontal relationship with men. And if we do not forgive others that actually is an issue with our Father, and our fellowship with the Father is hindered. So part of our praying, we must ask for forgiveness and make sure we have freely forgiven those who have sinned against us. And then it talks about the prayer of overcoming evil. Do not lead us into temptation or trial, but deliver us from evil. And that's where we need to pray over our future. Lord, I pray you you, you keep me safe from the traps of Satan. There's a lot of trials and tribulations we don't need to go into because God will have kept us away from them. If only we would have prayed and asked for his protection over that. We need to cover our life in prayer. We can't avoid troubles completely. But there's a lot of unnecessary troubles we could avoid if we would pray this prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's where we take authority over the powers of evil. And we say, in the name of Jesus, I bind you and I forbid you to come near me. No weapon formed against me can prosper. We need to take authority over evil in our prayers. And that's that part of the prayer. And then finally, the prayer finishes with a seventh type of prayer, which is the prayer of commitment, the prayer of casting our cares on the Lord. We're not to go out of the prayer closet burdened, because whatever is troubling us, whatever the situation is bothering us, we need to finish by, with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, you've heard my prayers. I've given this situation to you. Lord, your burden is easy and light. I don't have to carry this burden. I've done what I can. I've prayed about it. I've cast my cares on you. I've given it to you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. You're going to take care of that situation. So I'm going to go on my way now joyfully, and I thank you that you've dealt with that situation. You finish on the positive by casting all the care and all the worry of these situations on God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. I've discharged the burden because I've given it to you, Lord. I recommend the Lord's Prayer to you as a model for your prayer life. It will give you the structure for you to pray over all the issues of your life and use all the different kinds of prayer.